our lives. Stupid. Stoops. So, we have a few things going on right now. As usual. (laughs) Um, I'm in the process of trying to move. So, if you hear a little bit of an echo, well, it's because my office is now, well, empty besides the desks and our microphones. Yeah, so our voices are probably kind of bouncing off the walls a little bit. (laughs) But stay with us. Um, We'll get back, hopefully, soon. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you just get an extra cool audio effect, okay? That's we're just giving you guys a different audio effect for this podcast. <laughs> so it was Lowe's birthday last weekend. Whoop whoop. Yeah. We had a good time. We did. Um the husband and bestie took me out to dinner at O'Connor's Irish pub in Rochester Hills on Rochester Road. Which, it's, I love hanging out there. I so, so cute. I love it, yeah. The whole city. I just love the downtown area. Yeah. And then we traveled down the road a little bit farther and went and did painting with a twist. So fun. Very cute. Um, me and Hubby did a picture. He did a half, I did a half, and then they connect them and it makes one picture. It's so cute. I was solo, so my girl was independently holding her umbrella in the rain. Hey, she's a strong woman. She's a strong, independent woman. It was a good time. We drank wine, we painted, and then we came back to the house. And Lo finally introduced me, I know everybody, I know, to Labyrinth, okay? I'm finally, now I know what it is. I know that it's not a band now. She knows who the power of the babe is. Yes. <laughs> I finally understand the reference. <laughs> and uh, David Bowie's junk. She gets it now. Yeah, fully can understand what you're saying. The What do you call it? The magic stick? Magic junk. <laughs> oh, God. Magic junk. He says jump, magic junk. Yeah. <laughs> and me and Hubby changed it to junk, magic junk. <laughs> yes, this magic junk. Definitely very visible. <laughs> the entire movie. <laughs> uh, but that was fun. I had a good time. It was, it was a nice day. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Definitely. Um, we are drinking some Chaco Vine blend of red wine and Dutch chocolate. Um, definitely dessert wine sip on it. Um, I was drinking it a little too gulpy-like or whatever, and I was like, the more I drink this, the less I like it, but I think I just need to sip on it. Yes, it's very sweet. It's not one that you would probably drink all night to like go hard on no but we had dinner together tonight um we had like a penny pasta sausage mixture with salads and bread and this was a nice dessert wine that crystal provided yeah it's very um chocolate (laughs) milk-esque like if you love chocolate milk you'll love this (laughs) um i mean it's not bad i like it but yeah definitely just small amount definitely not a full-on cup of it i would say unless you're into it you know whatever we want to say congratulations to our march irish box winners so congratulations to sherry hanky from chesterfield michigan thank you i lost it that's all right i saw it (laughs) And Lawrence Farrow from Southgate, Michigan. Thank you guys for donating, and hopefully you love your little gifts that you get with it. We will be getting them out very soon for you. Yes, and look out for um, Mother's Day 
raffle coming up next month, so. Mommy dearest. Yep. <laughs> you mommy dearest sucker. Right. <laughs> um, today we're doing kind of a fun episode. Um, it's called Liar Liar Pants on Fire. Lo came up with that name. Love it. Um, kind I of do what I can. I do it. So creative. I'm obsessed. Um, two different stories. Two women, two gone girl type situations. Um, and yeah, we'll get into the details, but they're just they're just funny and crazy stories. <laughs> um, but before we get into it, which we're gonna do real quick, um, Crystal had got an interesting phone call. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, a listener reached out um, through Facebook, actually. Um, her name is Laura, and she said that she was kind of browsing um, just podcasts online, whatever. She saw the Karen King episode that we did a few weeks back, and you know, she immediately listened to it because she actually lives very close to the area, and she knows um, the parents of Karen King. Um, and some of the other people like Karen King's boy, ex-boyfriend and stuff like that from the time. Um, so she reached out just to like talk on the phone and um, just provide some insight for that. Um, I'm going to do some research because Shatire Williams, one of the guys um, who was arrested in the case, he just had a resentencing. So we're going to do an updated episode, uh, like a little mini episode on Karen King and kind of talk about what Laura told us and kind of where the case is at today. So look out for that. That'll be coming up shortly. And if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. It's one of our local Michigan stories from Saginaw. Yeah, definitely. A horrifying, just gut-wrenching story. So um, definitely go back and listen to that and then look out for that update. Alrighty. Alright, let's get into it. These liar liar pants on fires. Okay, so are we starting with Julie? Cool, we can start with Julie. That works. So Julie Wheeler is our first up. Julie Wheeler was 44 um, when she went missing on May 31st during a visit to Grandview State Park with her husband and her son. The Bluefield Daily Telegraph reports that her family claimed that she was searching for a missing earring on the evening when she went tumbling out over the cliff near Grandview Overlook in Rayleigh County. Um, so, following the reports of Vire... <laughs> Man, two shots of whiskey before this. Yeah, we didn't even we mention... mention that. We didn't even mention that. Um, so, following the report of various organizations, including the local authorities and National State Park Service, joined together in an emergency search efforts for Julie, even using canines to try to find her and track her scent, all to no avail. The search for Julie went on for a number of days until authorities located her in her home a few days later. So you're just going to hide at home? Yeah, like that is so funny to me. Like, I just feel like if you're going to go with the fact that you're missing, like, go somewhere else. Like, not your own house. That just doesn't seem like thought out planning to me. On June 2nd, local NBC affiliate WVVA reported that the local police had come to search the home after a warrant was granted, allowing them to seize electronics like cell phones from the house and it was that they discovered the woman hiding in a downstairs closet 
according to the outlet. The couple was taken into custody. It was all planned. The entire thing was planned. Trooper C.A. Dunn, who was a lead investigator on Julie Wheeler's case, told WVVA Dunn. I tell you, these Dunn families. I know. What's with them? <laughs> Authorities allege that Julie and her husband hatched a scheme um, with assistance of their teenage son as a way for Julie to avoid prison time related to an ongoing case against her. Uh, Julie, who acted as a caretaker to someone with spinal bifida, had been accused of committing fraud by submitting applications to the Veterans Administration that contained false statements regarding the uh, length of time that she cared for the indi- individual, meaning that she was paid for hours that she did not work, according to the Bluefield Daily Telegram. Once the couple was taken in the telegraph, Rodney Wheeler and Julie Wheeler admitted they conspired to fake her disappearance to avoid Julie Wheeler's pending federal sentencing and health care fraud. Instead of avoiding her federal sentencing hearing for the health care fraud, Julie Wheeler was incarcerated and sentenced on June 30th, 2020 to 42 months in prison and three years of supervised release released for health care fraud relating to her overbilling in a VA program for the spinal bifida care. She was also ordered to pay restitution in the amount of $289,055.07 for the overbilling scheme. Oh my gosh, like, so... She just made that. Yeah, she just like really effed it up for for herself there. (laughs) The Federal Bureau of Investigation... um, the Veterans Affairs Office of Inspector General, the Office of Veterans Affairs, and the United States Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General conducted an investigation of the underlying health care fraud. So they all band together to get her. Um, this was on a site called Oxygen True Crime that I came across this. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking... You had told me ahead of time what you were going to do. So I'm like, huh. I'm just kind of go. It just kind of fell in my lap. Yeah. So. Dang. I just... The whole thing is like so ridiculous to me. But I still just cannot get over the fact that she was just hiding in her home's closet. Like go to another state or like at least somebody else's house to hide. Like they're obviously going to find you in your own house. And then like obviously she's like has all this fraud situation going on. Like <laughs> it wasn't even like, okay, faking your death is terribly wrong anyway. She should have, first of all, she shouldn't have even did any fraud. Right. But she did. Um, but like going as far as reaching over a cliff because she dropped an earring and fell to her death to where you're wasting all these people's time looking for her body to recover her cops helicopters like all this stuff searching for her all these people like why not just say she got sick and died at home you know like yeah. to where there is no body to search for there is no right wasting all these taxpayers time and money and especially like all the police looking for her they could have been using that time to like look for somebody else who was actually missing or help people who actually needed help like not just literally wasting their time searching for nothing that's there and i wonder do you think her son was like what the fuck yeah let's do this (laughs) or was he like 
oh my god you guys are so stupid but i have to live here so i'm just going with it i feel like if <laughs> he was say how old he was so i don't know i just said teenage son okay so i guess it could have gone either way like he could have been like getting hyped up if like those are his parents, and they're, like, really getting him, like, yeah, amped up on the situation. Parents, both in prison. Yeah, poor kid. Oh, my God. Hope grandma's cool. Yeah, literally. Hopefully he was closer to 18 than not, so he wasn't just uh, left all alone for too long. That's so wild that people just even think about doing shit like that and think that they can get away with it, too. Oh, my God. So next up on our... Uh, our little liar list is a woman named Sherry Papini. 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 Love the last name. So, Sherry Papini, born June 11th, 1982. Sounds dis- very Gucci. Yeah, it does. Gucci it really does. Okay. It goes along with Sorry. that. Sorry. No, I agree. You may begin again, and I will. <laughs> I agree with that, though. <laughs> she disappeared from her husband and family on November 2nd, 2016, reportedly while out jogging a mile from her home in Redding, California. Um, And she was 34 years old at the time. So Sherry was in a seemingly happy marriage uh, to her husband, Keith, and they had two children, a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. Um, On the afternoon of Wednesday, November 2nd, 2016, Sherry decided to go out on a jog. Um, However, she did not return back home that night. After she didn't show up to pick her kids up from daycare and just never returned to their home in the Redding area um, of California, the family immediately reported her missing because this was very unlike her and they just obviously were worried. So Sherry's husband, Keith, and other family members said that her cell phone was found using a Find My Phone app um, along the rural road of Redding where she was jogging. Um, The husband appeared in an interview airing on Good Morning America four days after her alleged disappearance, telling ABC News that Sherry was definitely taken against her will. You know, basically being like, she would never run away, like, she wouldn't just disappear, she had to have been taken against her will. So the family even offered a $40,000 reward for her discovery, um, and they established an online crowdfunding campaign to expand on that reward. As various accusations began to emerge, um, including that Keith Papini was somehow involved in his wife's disappearance, family members kind of just, they said the rumors were baseless, like he didn't have anything to do with it. The family was like sticking by his side, basically. So days before Sherry Papini reemerged. An anonymous donor offered the kidnappers a ransom payment of an undisclosed amount if they returned Papini by 5 a.m. on November 23, 2016. So Cameron Gamble, uh, a self-described defense contractor, said that he would facilitate the transaction um, initiated by an, quote, out-of-town man who approached a mutual friend with the offer. The B um, had reported on this at the time, and Gamble called the amount of money substantial, but he didn't really outwardly say how much it was actually. All he was saying was, like, the cash is ready to go. We're good. We're good to go. Cut to Thanksgiving, that same year, Papini was found safe. So Tom Bosenko, 
Um, he was then the sheriff of uh, Shasta County. In a news conference, said authorities were ecstatic to report Sherry Papini was found on Thanksgiving morning, so 22 days after her disappearance, and she was found 146 miles away. Um, she was reunited with her family, and you know everyone was just excited that she was home safe. She was found bound with restraints around 4.30 a.m. in Yolo County. Yeah, YOLO. I wasn't going to say it. I was just going to let that one go. I had to say it because I heard you laugh. Um, so the sheriff said that Sherry had been released on a rural road and flagged down a driver on Interstate 5 near County Road 17 uh, north of Woodland. The sheriff said Papini was injured during the alleged abduction, treated at an undisclosed Sacramento area hospital, and then released. Um, Keith Papini said in a statement to Good Morning America days after Sherry was located that his wife had scabs and bruises all on her body. Um, a, a brand was seared into her skin, uh, later to be on her right shoulder, and her blonde hair was all chopped off, the husband wrote. So she sounded, it sounded like she was like torture, basically. And detectives would not rest until her captor or captors were identified and brought to justice. So authorities started to piece together information about the alleged abduction and Bosenko, so the sheriff in late November, shared the first description of its perpetrators. The sheriff said that Sherry had described her captors as a pair of armed Hispanic women whom she said reportedly beat and tortured her over the course of three weeks. According to the last week's court documents, Papini said that the woman pulled up to her during her jog in a dark colored SUV and one of them had a small revolver, she said. Sherry said the woman often kept their faces covered, but one of them had thin eyebrows and pierced ears. The other was older and had thick eyebrows. Both of them spoke mostly in Spanish, according to Basenko, who called Sherry cooperative and courageous during the interviews. The criminal complaint, though, indicates that Sherry refused to speak to Shasta County Sheriff's detectives while at a hospital on the day she was located. Detectives instead gave an audio recorder to her husband, who conducted the initial interview while deputies remained in the room, um, which the court documents kind of stated. And in that interview, Sherry said that her abductors had suggested that law enforcement were involved in her kidnapping. So she, at first, I guess, it sounds like was kind of like weary of being too um, talkative about what happened with the cops, but then later, I mean, opened up when it was just her and her husband like doing those interviews. But she had a lot of details about like who she thought that her captors were, like literally describing their eyebrows and like all that, like makes it so believable, right? Which is kind of crazy to think like you're that descriptive over a fictional person like right like she really thought of like everything it sounds like she didn't want to do it right away because she needed time to like come up with a story yeah yeah people are crazy man with their <laughs> it's just insane to me like um so sherry stated that one of the abductors was laughing at me she said that the lady said no one believes you everyone thinks you ran away no one believes you Guess what? The buyer's a cop. They're never going to find you. 
Um, she also said in the interview that the two women kept her in a closet and forced her to use a bucket with kitty litter as a toilet. Like so specific details, it's insane. Um, Sherry said that the kitty litter was her own suggestion. Uh, she described her alleged abductors as playing that real annoying Mexican music rude but um, according to the criminal complaint um she also said that they had played mariachi music during the vehicle ride from the scene of her abduction to the residence where she was um reportedly held so the motive for the abduction still kind of remained unclear um the sheriff said you know what what would have been the motive of these women to just like grab her and torture her like for their own sick pleasure like makes no sense so by her husband, Keith Papini's account, the captors threw Sherry out of a vehicle in Yolo County with a bag over her head and chains on her wrists and waist. Meanwhile, Gamble, the facilitator for the alleged anonymous benefactor offering a ransom, said the donor would use his wealth to assist the Papini family. In an interview with the Bee at the time, Gamble called Sherry a hero. The high-profile incident began to spark numerous rumors and kind of like at the top of those rumors was people kind of being like, I feel like this abduction was a hoax. Like it wasn't fully coming together. I think like they, they smell her bullshit. Yeah, like the idea of like what would their motive be, but also like there's this random anonymous like donor trying to like get money for like having her come back and then she miraculously comes back before 5 a.m. It just seemed a little sketchy to people. So rumors, assumptions, lies, and the hate um, have been both exhausting and disgusting, says Keith in a statement to Good Morning America um, following his wife's discovery. He says those people should be ashamed of their malicious subhuman behavior. Um, and even the sheriff at this time was still, he was dismissing these rumors too. He said all the information that we have right now, we have no reason to believe that she is making this up. Um, Missy MacArthur, the mayor um, then of Reading, said a few days later at a celebration at the Reading Civic Auditorium marking Papini's safe return home that any suggestion the abduction did not occur was simply the work of internet trolls. So they were all sticking by her side. Like, they're like, why would she lie about like this? That makes no sense. And I, that also just breaks my heart for her husband because, you know, he was probably devastated by finding her like that and thinking of what she went through and just sticking by her side so hard. And the cops are probably also thinking like, it's so detailed, like, you know, going to the bathroom and kitty litter. Like, who makes that shit up? Right, and like specifically remembering, like saying what music was playing in the car. Like there's so many details that she really like came up with. You know, one had a mustache, one didn't like, which. Thin eyebrows. Thin eyebrows, I'm yeah. sorry. No, no. Um, that's why I was like, wait, mustache. <laughs> um, but in the months following Sherry's alleged kidnapping and release, Law enforcement officials shared little to new information about the investigation. Um, no arrests were made and no motive was still determined. Sherry herself never gave a public firsthand account of what her husband and sheriff officials had said that happened. Um, then in early 2017, the B via California's Public Records Act obtained a December 2003 incident report from the Shasta County Sheriff's Office. 
The two-sentence report stated that Sherry's mother, Loretta Graef, alleged that then 21-year-old Sherry had been harming herself and blaming it on her mother. So criminologists and law enforcement experts who spoke to the bee at the time noted some of the abnormalities kind of about this incident. For one, it is very rare for women to be abducted by other women, they said. Um, James Allen Fox, a Northeastern University criminology professor, called the 2003 police report by Bipini's mother suspicious, though not proof of a hoax in and of itself. Um, around that same time, Internet sleuths kind of dug up racist essay signed by Sherry Graef, um, which is her maiden name, obviously. And it was posted to a now defunct website called skinheads.com. I feel Sounds like riveting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even like saying that. Um, the post author wrote that she got into fights during her youth with Latinos who she claimed targeted her because she was drug free, white, and proud of her blood and heritage. So she kind of sounds racist. <laughs> she sounds a little racist to me. Not a little, just like a lot. But to me, she just sounds like someone who needs to get her ass kicked. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> So Sherry told sheriff's detectives that she believed someone else wrote the post using her name and that she'd hire an attorney to, tr attorney to try and have the post removed. According to last week's criminal complaint, Papini's family and friends have also said that the post was written by someone else. I, I just don't know why someone would write that and put her name on it. Like, it makes no sense. And then the fact that she's saying these Latino women took her like, it's kind of like, girl, you have an issue with Latinos. Like, I don't... That's kind of the sense that I'm getting. So just before the one-year anniversary of her disappearance, investigators announced what would turn out to be the pivotal discovery. So Sherry Papini, who claimed her two abductors were women, had male DNA on her clothes when she was found in Yolo County. God! <laughs> Detectives, yeah. <laughs> detectives found DNA from a woman on Papini's body and DNA from a man on her clothes. Authorities said in October 2017, the DNA did not match her husband, Keith. So there's some dude, some dudes getting involved now. All right. A little sloppy there. Uh-huh, exactly. The DNA sample was uploaded into a criminal database where it didn't ping a match, um, at least not right away. So Sergeant Brian Jackson, a spokesman for the Shasta County Sheriff's Office, said that at the time, investigators had found other inconsistencies with Sherry's story. The supermom, as tabloid magazines would call her, told detectives she cut her foot while trying to fight back against her captors. But investigators found no evidence of the cut. Papini also told investigators that after her release along I-5, she heard her captors having an argument followed by a gunshot, Jackson said. And according to Jackson, authorities could not corroborate any reports of missing persons or unresolved homicides in Yolo or nearby counties. So she's getting a little sloppy with her storytelling. And they're catching on. And some other uh, things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, investigators also revealed that her phone, the one found on the side of the road, had been found screened up, undamaged, and with earbuds neatly coiled on top of it. 
like someone just like neatly placed it on the ground. Not that she was like taken and it was like jumbled and ran over and stepped on. Exactly. Um, Meanwhile, sheriff's official said Keith Papini had passed a polygraph test about the incident and offered to take another. And after the DNA um, revelation, no significant updates were made public in the Papini case for more than four years. So federal prosecutors um, just recently on March 3rd, 2022, unveiled the charges against Papini. Local law enforcement and the FBI determined that instead of being kidnapped and tortured, she had actually been staying with a former boyfriend in Costa Mesa. Gotcha. Gotcha. Poor husband. Oh my Ugh, gosh. Feels so horrible for him. And can I say, like, poor husband, but really? Poor children. Right. You did not pick up your four and two year old from daycare so you could go get a boom chuck chum chum. With a former uh, ex. Yeah, and like how horrified her kids had to be like looking for her for those like weeks that she was missing, like thinking mom's never coming home, everybody's scared, like someone took mom. And then to find out this, I mean, I feel like I would hate my mom if she did that. Like, that's just horrible. Well, they're four and two, so they probably don't... Fully grasp, yeah. Yes, but there's probably confusion, but still, like... I don't think I could ever just leave my four-year-old and two-year-old somewhere. Yeah. And, like, make them think that you were just kidnapped. Ugh. It's heartbreaking. Um, So she was presented with evidence that showed she had not been abducted. Um, U.S. Attorney Phil Talbert's office said in a statement, instead of retracting her kidnapping story, Sherry continued to make false statements about her purported abductors. The DNA entered into the state database returned a hit in March 2020 that led investigators to the ex-boyfriend, according to court documents, which um, they don't identify who this man is. Um, but investigators determined the ex was briefly associated with um, an address owned by Sherry's parents. So, like, we're really just getting led to who this is. So FBI agents went to the ex-boyfriend's home on June 9th, 2020, and collected items from his trash, including an honest honey green tea bottle that was analyzed and found to have DNA that matched the collected from Sherry's clothing. Um... A very similar process was used in 2018 to collect DNA confirming Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. as the Golden State Killer. Um, But investigators tracked down the ex in 2020 and he admitted that he helped Sherry run away. The two had known each other since they were teenagers and I guess they were once engaged like years ago. So sometime in 2015, the ex found personal items that reminded him of Sherry and sent them to her parents, um, he told investigators. Sherry later called him, telling him she'd been saving money because she had a plan to run away with him. Papini told him that her husband was beating and raping her and she was trying to escape, um, the the court documents say. Papini told ex-boyfriend that she had filed police reports, but the police were not doing anything to stop her husband's abuse. Um, and Shasta Sheriff's officials, they have no reports of Sherry filing those reports against her husband. 
so she was basically lying, saying that he was beating her and like all this stuff when she made no reports about that, like she said that she did. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So fitting, so fitting. <laughs> so while her husband was still in the interview room, Sherry continued to deny that she ran away with her ex-boyfriend. Um, and once Keith left the room, then she admitted that she and ex-boyfriend did talk a little bit before her disappearance. So she's switching up her story when her husband's not in the room. Um, and the court documents say that Sherry did not at any point throughout the interview um, say that her repeated statements that two Hispanic women kidnapped her, nor did she ever admit that ex-boyfriend had picked her up. The ex-boyfriend told investigators that Sherry cut her hair and hit and burned herself to cause injuries while she was with him. She also asked him to brand him, which he said he did. Um, Sherry harmed herself to support her false statements about the abduction, the criminal complaint alleges, and eventually, according to court documents, Sherry told the ex-boyfriend that she missed her children and asked to be taken back to Reading. Like, I just feel like... I, I don't, how do how do you like plan on leaving them forever? And then you're like, all right, I do miss them. I want to go back. Now I have to come up with this whole plot storyline. Like you don't deserve your children. No, not at all. So the ex said that he made the seven hour drive in a rental car and dropped Papini off on a country road along I-5 and that she brought stuff in a bag which she used to bind her own wrists and ankles. She also topped a prepaid phone out the window uh, during the drive, and prosecutors said that Sherry applied for and received more than $30,000 from the California Victim Victims Compensation Board, resulting in the mail fraud charge that she later got. So she literally was like, there are people who are actually like victims who get this compensation money and she totally took advantage of that just to get some money from it. She, oh. I know. <laughs> Sherry and her husband also collected more than $49,000 from a GoFundMe page. Um, and they had used that in part to pay off Sherry's credit cards. So in an interview with the FBI and with the Sacramento Bee, numerous people from Sherry's past described her as a serial liar. Clearly. Um, Shannon Devari, one of Sherry's ex-boyfriends from the early 2000s, told the Bee last week that she would routinely make up bizarre claims, sometimes for no apparent reason. She lied about surfing and like all kinds of crazy lies, he said. Um... The family were obviously appalled by the arrest because they're like, what the hell? Like, why would you do this? Um, and they released a statement um, late Thursday, the March 3rd or whatever, that she got um, caught and went to trial for all this. So through a Salt Lake City-based public relations firm. And it said that the family members were confused by several aspects of the charges and they hope to get clarification in the coming days. I mean, like, what do you say to that? Like, when one of your family members does this, like, I would be in, like, utter shock. I do not know her. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, um, please don't come to Christmas. Yeah. You're no longer invited to the family barbecue. <laughs> don't worry about the, um... 
Was like the white horse gift or whatever. White elephant. White yeah. elephant gift. White horse. <laughs> white horse is a, that's a t- new version. <laughs> Don't worry about the white elephant gift this year. We'll have uh, cousin Jojo cover yours. You just uh, you just stay home and yeah. You just stay away. We're we're actually moving. We're not gonna really disclose where we're moving to, but um, just yeah, just don't show up. It's totally fine. <laughs> so clearly, like, the family was like appalled by Sherry's arrest that day. Um, they said in a statement that particularly that she was ambushed in a dramatic and unnecessary manner in front of her children. Um, FBI agent surveilling um, Sherry followed her last Thursday on that March 3rd from her home to a location where her children receive music lessons. Um, And I guess, I don't know, I guess the family wasn't happy with the way that she was arrested. Um, So I guess they weren't like super mad at her because they were still upset. I think they were more concerned for like the kids seeing it. Yeah. So when an FBI agent identified himself and told her she was under arrest, um, Sherry screamed and ran away from him. The prosecution argued in the hearing that this constituted resisting arrest, while Sherry's attorney argued that she was simply taken by surprise and attempting to protect her children. So Sherry was granted release on a $120,000 bond and is due to appear in federal court for a preliminary hearing on March 25th. Um, which just passed. Prosecutors declined to comment further on the charges against her. Um, she appeared in court on Friday, this past Friday. Um, she was ordered detained as a danger and flight risk, and her next court appearance um, is Tuesday. So we will probably add have to add that update as well. But her lawyer, Michael Borges, was not immediately available on Friday night, so I guess that's why it had to be pushed back. But she faces a maximum of five years in prison and a fine up to $250,000 if convicted of making false statements to a federal investigator. And the second charge of mail fraud carries a maximum of 20 years in prison and a fine of up to $250,000. Which, in my opinion, I feel like she will be guilty on both charges because she clearly lied and took advantage of different, like, funding supports and all of that. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia, indeed. And pay that shit back. I know. I just feel horrible. People actually use those resources because they literally need them and are victims of, you know, situations like that. And the fact that she just made that up is just... Oh, that's just horrible and took money from someone who could have been way more deserving obviously but yeah crazy bitches man <laughs> liar liar their pants is on fire flaming flaming hot <laughs> okay so we're gonna try a little something fun um i know we started a new segment called less classless slayer criminals um however we are gonna try another one as well and this is horror trivia smarty pants i don't know (laughs) a work in progress name (laughs) um so i'm going to ask a trivia question and then you guys can go to the comments and leave your answers that'll let us know that you listen to this episode and you will get bragging rights Absolutely. Um, We will announce a first person that comments the correct answer 
We will give you a shout out on the show. Yeah. Um, so next week when we log on, we will tell you what the answer is. Now, listen here. Effers. There's no Googling it and looking it up. This no is cheating. Just, okay. This is like honesty. Girl Scout, Boy Scout. Honesty. Yeah, we're going to look at your Google history to make sure you don't cheat on this. <laughs> we take this very seriously. Consequences will be held. Yeah. Don't be like these liar, liar, pants of fire girls, okay? Be honest. Yes. We're going to send Karen to your house. <laughs> it's serious. Okay. So, our first trivia question of the week is... What is the name of the in-universe film series based on the events of the Scream series from 1996 to 2011? Hmm. I would have a guess, but I'm not going to say it. You can tell me off air. <laughs> yes, I will. So put your answers in, and first person to leave the comment in the comment section on iTunes. I don't think Spotify has a comment section right now. No, you could even go to our Facebook or Instagram and message us or just write it on our page, whatever floats your boat. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll know what you're talking about. Yeah, you can Facebook Messenger, Instagram, email us, or if you are a CastBox or iTunes listener, you can leave it in the comment section. Yeah, definitely. And we will shout you out if you get the right answer. So tighten up those brains, peeps. Yeah. Get your bragging rights ready. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week with a whole new episode and the answer to that fun trivia question. I am excited about all of it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell to the yeah. Hell to the yeah. All right. On that note, stay creepy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.